this, I hope. If not, just move your fat mouth fast and you move the words as quick as you can and you'll be about right. I, just a little talk with Jesus, an old, old song. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It made my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our pain and he will answer by and by now. Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer, he knows my every care, and just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our pain and he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer will turning, then you'll know a little fire is. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Let's sing that chorus again. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our pain is cry, and he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer will turn, then you'll know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus, makes it right, it makes it right. Half of you wouldn't seen you, acting like you'd never heard that before. Turn around fellowship. Let's welcome one another. Let our visitors know how glad we are to have them.
Let's sing that chorus all together again. Here we go, bass. Now let us have a little talk with Chief. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our babies cry, and he will answer by. And now when you feel a little prayer will turning, then you'll know a little fire is burned. You will find a little talk with Jesus. Mate, let's sing the chorus again. Come on now. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our pain is cry and he will answer by and now when you feel a little prayer will turning, then you'll know a little fire is burned. You will find a little talk with Jesus. Makes it right. It makes it right. Amen. Aren't you glad we can talk to the Lord? Amen. Good to have all of you that are with visiting with us tonight. All of our visitors, we're certainly thrilled about having you in service. Good to have Tom and Sue Kennedy with us tonight. They're in town. We're glad to have them in the services and friends for a number of years. Also, it's good to have Brother R. Seth with us tonight, missionary to the uh, United Kingdom. Good to have you with us. In fact, I want you to come up, if you would, please, and lead us in a word of prayer. So good to have you in the services. And others that are visiting, we're glad that you're here. You're glad for all of our visitors. Say amen. We're certainly thrilled about all of you being here. Let's pray now, Brother Arsette. Come on up. Lead us in prayer, please. And let's ask the Lord to bless the service. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to come and worship tonight. And Father, we thank you for a, a tremendous crowd. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word. And Father, we're going to our hearts not as just an intellectual thing, but we'll come out through our lives and everything that we do and say. Let everything that is said here tonight go to your honor and glory. May plead the blood of Christ upon the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing. No, not one. The old hymn. Let's sing that together. She's looking for it. Go ahead, ladies, play just a second. Give her time to find it up there.
set of ushers come forward to receive our offering, and as they do so, it reminds you again that everything that you give in our Wednesday night offerings goes to support our Bible conference, and in particular, it provides lodging for the many, many guests that come in. And we're just a few weeks away, about six weeks away, five weeks away, and so I want to encourage you to give tonight, and I appreciate what you have given this year. Our uh, numbers are up. We're already just about full, and and uh, booking up and filling up much, much faster than last year. A lot of new ones coming in, many that we're n we don't even know. But we got so many coming in this year, and we're excited about those the Lord just keeps on sending in. But your giving on Wednesday night allows us to provide lodging for them. So uh, you give tonight. Give a little something extra over the next few weeks, and the Lord will bless you richly for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to give. And Lord, even now we begin to lift the conference up to you that it'll be richly anointed of you. And I pray, Lord, for each guest that'll be coming in, maybe some pastor that is discouraged, I pray you'll encourage them. Uh, Father, whatever the needs are, I pray you would meet their needs. Lord, we want to be blessed, but even more so we want to be a blessing. And so we pray you'll use us, bless our giving tonight, that we might be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.
just won't come and your soul cannot be still when it's all been said and done rest in the Father's will There's a multitude of sin Covered by the blood that pours Blood that cleanses every stain So that none remain That's what grace is for When all hope fades away And prayers are only words Just reach out in faith And know He's already heard That's what grace is for. 
his arms are open wide, walk through mercy's door. That's what grace is for. That's what grace Sometimes it's not what you say that is a blessing. Amen? Take your Bible, the book of James, chapter 1. We're continuing our study through the book of James. This is actually our third week in it. And tonight we're going to look at verses 5 through 8, and we're going to think about wisdom, free for the asking. Would you stand as we honor the public reading of the Word of God? James 1, verse 5. 6, 7, and 8. The Bible said in verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray, and then tonight we'll think about these verses and just give it the title, Wisdom Free for the Asking. Let's pray tonight that God will give us wisdom. Our Father tonight, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the book of James. We thank you, Lord, for the things that you've already spoke to us about and the things that you've already helped us to see and understand in the very beginning of our studies. But we come to tonight thanking you for this particular portion we're going to look at tonight. And for the wonderful lessons that we can glean from it. So, Father, as we come tonight, we ask you now that the Spirit of God might anoint us. That he might anoint uh, each one of us. That he might anoint me as I speak. But not only anoint me, but, Lord, anoint us all that we might hear. And I pray, dear God, tonight that we'll hear from you. And you'll give us a word that'll help us for those that are going through trials in their life right now. I believe you have something that will help them tonight in our study. And for those who may be facing trials, I pray that you'll give them a word that will help them when those trials come. Thank you again for your word. 
Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake we ask these things. Amen. I think about a poster that I saw a number of years ago that said this. A prayer to be said, big old words, a prayer to be said when the world has gotten you down and you feel rotten and you're too doggone tired to pray and you're in a big hurry and besides, you're mad at everybody. What is that prayer that to be said? Simply help. Well, I know that some of you and others, sometime or another in your life, you've been in situations where you wanted to cry help. Well, in our last study in James chapter 1, verses 3, 4, 2, 3, 4, uh, we saw that James reminds us that trials are certain. And James reminded us in, the early, in, in verses 2 through 4 that trials are unavoidable. James tells us in verse 2 that the issue or the question is not what to do if trials comes, but what to do when trials comes. James said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Not if, but when. So James tells us that trials is certain. James tells us that there is no way that we can avoid trials in our life. But beginning in verse 5, he now tells us how to pray. In the light of trials, in the light of the trials we are going through, in light of the fact that we are facing trials down the road, James said, now this is how I want you to pray. And this is what you should ask for when trials come. Now what is it that James tells us in the text we read a moment ago that we should pray for when we're going through trials or when we're facing trials? James tells us that the thing we ought to pray for is wisdom. Now you might say something like, Brother Ken, that's a strange request so that's a strange thing to ask for when you're neck deep in trouble and you're neck deep in adversity and affliction. I, you would say, I like the prayer of help better. I won't help. I won't help. But yet as you consider the passage and what James has to say, we find that what James is talking about is exactly what we need to ask for when we're going through trials and when we are facing trials. James tells us that we need to pray for wisdom. Now, the question is, what is this wisdom for that? What is this wisdom that we should pray for? Before I give you a definition, let me just say this, that wisdom is not knowledge. When we're talking about wisdom, James talks about praying for wisdom. He is not talking about praying for knowledge. You see, it's very possible to have knowledge and not have wisdom. Can I say that again? It is very possible to have knowledge and have much knowledge, but not have wisdom. I think about the day and time in which we live. We live in a day and time when man's knowledge is expanding rapidly. And it's almost every day, every day you pick up the newspaper, turn on the news, uh, your mind, you just let, your mind is, you just, uh, can just, you know, boggling when you think about everything that is going on. We're hearing all this about stem cell research and and yesterday they're talking about how they're ready to clone 100 human beings and so forth. And I believe it was yesterday, just the day before yesterday, they were talking about a new pill they've come out with. Did you see that on the news? A new pill they've come out with, but it's not a pill that relieves pain, and it's not a pill that cures some kind of sickness, but it's a pill that is actually a camera that takes pictures of a person's intestines. Now, who would ever thought that we'd have got to the day when we were swallowing cameras? I never would have believed it. But yet, that's, 
man's knowledge and our knowledge and ability. And what man is able to do and capable of doing defies our imagination. Yet I would say to you tonight that our knowledge explosion in our generation does not necessarily translate into being wiser. You see, a person can have a Ph.D. from Harvard or Yale and not be a wise man. And you, in fact, you can watch some of the talk shows on TV and, and see proof of that. You see, you know, a lot of, you know a lot about certain things. And you can be considered an expert in certain fields, but yet not be wise. For wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not education. Wisdom is not the possession of information. For example, let me give you an example. Most of you, I'm sure tonight, are familiar with the, familiar with the name Albert Einstein. He's considered to be one of the greatest intellects that this world has ever known. In fact, when Einstein died, his brain was removed from his body, and his brain was cut up in several pieces and studied, trying to find why some people are intellectually superior than others. There's no question that Einstein was a brilliant man, but I'm not so sure that he was a wise man. And I say that because several reasons, but one I think about at a conference that he attended or a conference that was attended by outstanding churchmen and scientists, he made this statement. He said, in their struggle for the ethical good, teachers of religion must have the stature to give up the doctrine of a personal God. Now, here's a brilliant man. Here's a man with a high IQ. Here's a man that is considered uh, such a genius that they want to take his brain out and study it and find out what it is that makes someone so, in, in a, in, uh, so wise, or not wise, but so knowledgeable. But yet here is someone saying that we've got to get to the place where we no longer believe in God. Now may I say tonight, you may have an exceptionally high IQ and have intellectual capacities that men want to study your brain after you're dead, but actually be a fool. What I mean by that, the Bible said the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I don't care if you're a graduate from Harvard or not. And I don't care if you're one of the world's greatest scientists. When you think and believe that one must give up their personal belief in God and their doctrine and personal God, you may have knowledge, but you do not have wisdom. Can I get an amen right there? As God said, the fool says there is no God. Joe put it this way. Great men are not always wise. Neither, neither do the age understand judgment. So when I talk about wisdom... I'm not talking about knowledge. I'm not talking about that which you can get from going to college. I'm not talking about that which you can get from a counselor. I'm not talking about information or the possession of information. That's not what I'm talking about or James is talking about when we talk about wisdom. What are we talking about? What is James talking about? What is wisdom? Let me give you a definition that I came across that I loved and a definition that I think is one of the greatest I've ever read on what wisdom is. It's lengthy. I'm going to leave it on the screen for a moment so you can write it down. But I want you to listen to this definition of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the God-given insight into our human circumstances and situations that enables man to see God's will. Let me say that to you again. Listen to it carefully. Think through what you're writing down. Think through what you're hearing. Think through what I'm saying. Wisdom is the God-given insight into human circumstances and situations that enables man to see God's will. In other words, wisdom 
is seeing life from God's point of view. When James is talking about wisdom, he is talking about our trials and seeing our trials from God's viewpoint. He's not changing the subject. He talked about trials last week. And he doesn't change the subject. When he talks about wisdom, he is talking about the ability to see our trials from God's point of view and evaluating our trials from God's perspective. He's talking about the God-given insight into our human circumstances and situations that enables us to see God's will or to see things from God's perspective. That's wisdom. Now, saying all that, I want you to look at the text. And three things I want to point out about wisdom as James describes it. Number one, I want you to notice, first of all, why wisdom is required. James talking about wisdom. Now, I want you to think with me why wisdom is required. You notice in your bulletin that I've got a little saying there. I put it in that bulletin because I wanted you to get this. I ran across this statement that I think is outstanding and very applicable to what we're considering tonight. But look at it in your bulletin. It's also on the screen. Unless there is within us that which is above us, we will soon yield to that which is around us. Now, let me say that again. Read it, listen to it. Unless there is within us that which is above us, we will soon yield to that which is around us. Now, that's exactly what James is talking about. When James is talking about wisdom in James 1, he's talking about something that is within us, that comes from above us, that equips us and enables us to deal with that which is going on around us. He's talking about wisdom, that which is within us, that came from above us, but it gives us the ability to cope with what is going on around us. And this is what James has to say. He talks about in verse 5, first of all, the lack of wisdom. The lack of wisdom. Notice in verse 5 and the words, if any of you lack wisdom... If any of you lack wisdom, underscore the word lack for a moment. The word lack speaks of that which is absent or that which is missing. He's talking about the absence of some matter. He's talking about something that is missing. Here in our text, of course, he's talking about the matter of wisdom. Wisdom is lacking or there is an absence of wisdom. He's talking about the lack of of wisdom. And when you look at what James has to say about wisdom, it's very obvious that he views an absence of wisdom as a very serious matter. Why? Let's go back to our last study. I won't go through it all again. I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Last week in our study, James, we saw that trials will come. I said it a moment ago, it's not if trials come, but when they come. But we also saw that trials have a divine purpose in life. Aren't you glad for that? Say Amen. I know this is Wednesday night, but say amen. All right, that's better. You're doing a little bit better there. And I know your wife told you not to say anything, but anyway, say it anyway. But as we saw last week in our study, trials are going to come, but they always have a divine purpose in our life. Now, wisdom, the wisdom enables us to see our trials with the understanding that our trials are not without rhyme and reason. Wisdom enables us to see our trials in an altogether different light. They're more than burdens. Wisdom helps you to see them as a blessing. 
Wisdom helps you to understand that all trials have a purpose. And wisdom furthermore equips us to face our trials, enables us to trust God with the purpose and the end result of those trials. I think about something David Jeremiah said in his book of James. And David Jeremiah has not been with his own, without his own personal trials, battling with cancer in his life. But I want you to listen to what he said. When facing trials, it is important to know how to cope with them. I think you would agree with that statement. When facing trials, it's important to know how to cope with them. Well, the only way we'll be able to understand these trials and to respond to them properly is to ask for the wisdom which God alone can give. In other words, James is talking about wisdom and how important it is in our life because only when we have this God-given wisdom or insight will we see our trials the way they ought to be seen. And only then can we understand them and the light that they ought to be understood in. You see, if we cannot and we do not have wisdom in our trials, you know what trials will do to you? It'll make you bitter. If you do not have wisdom, and you cannot have wisdom, God's wisdom, when you're going through a trial, all you see is something happening in your life, a trial, something that you are going through unjustly. All you see is another problem. All you see is another burden. All you see is another heartache. And what happens is you become bitter, and you begin to complain, and you get discouraged. And you lose heart in matters. James is saying wisdom is needed because only when we have wisdom do we understand that our trials are working on our behalf. And only when we have wisdom do we understand that our trials are working for our benefit. In a nutshell, James is telling us that trials will come and we need to pray for more than help when trials come. We need to pray for wisdom. Wisdom that will help us to see those trials from a divine perspective and wisdom that equips us to cope with our trials. The lack of wisdom, the absence of it, we need wisdom. But look at something else in verse 5. You know, it talks about the lack of wisdom. But I put emphasis upon another word and, and just point out the longing for wisdom. The longing for wisdom. Verse 5, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I underscore the word ask if any of you lack wisdom, if there is an absence of wisdom. And that would imply is that we do not have this wisdom in ourselves. Thus, we need to get this wisdom. We need to get that wisdom that enables us to see our trials from God's perspective. And we need to come to God and get that wisdom that enables us to cope with our trials. And what does he say? He said, let him ask of God. Now, the word ask that he used there is a common word for asking in the Bible. But yet it means more than just asking for something. It means more than you just walking up and saying, give me wisdom. No, the word carries the idea of craving. When he talks about asking, he's talking about craving, begging, desiring. He's talking about a longing for wisdom. There is a lack of wisdom. And that creates a longing for wisdom. James is telling us that our asking for wisdom comes from a longing for wisdom. In other words, what he said is when we face trials and we're going through these things in our life, we should ask God for wisdom. We should ask with a deep desire that God will give us wisdom. 
Wisdom to help us to understand our trials. Wisdom to help us face our trials. That's why wisdom is required. We are going to face trials, right? We can't avoid trials. Therefore, we need wisdom to be able to look at our trials the way God wants us to look at our trials to be able to evaluate what we're going through in light of God's eternal plan for our life. Not just a problem, not just another setback, not a burden, but God's will in our life. We need wisdom. So there is the matter of wisdom being required. But look at the second thing. James not only talks about why wisdom is required, but where wisdom is received. Where wisdom is received. The definition I gave you earlier, and you wrote down on top of your bulletin, we saw that this wisdom, as one writer explained, is a God-given insight. Now, let me put emphasis upon that, a God-given insight. This wisdom does not come from within. It doesn't come from within us. Neither does it come from any human or earthly resource. This is a wisdom that only comes from God. Look at verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, I'm going to say it again. You do not get this wisdom from a book. You do not get this wisdom from going to seminary. You do not get this wisdom from a counselor. This is wisdom that only comes from God. Now, let me ask you some questions. Don't respond. But are you going through some trial tonight? Then I'll tell you what you need. You say, I need help. No. You need wisdom. I need God to deliver me. No, you need wisdom. Now, where does this wisdom come from? It comes from God. Now, how do we get this wisdom? I need wisdom more than I need help. I need to see what is going on in my life from God's perspective. I need to cope with what's going on with that which God gives me. Not my resources, but that which God gives me. So I need this wisdom. How do I get it? James says, ask. Notice what he says. First of all, he talks about wisdom comes from a giving God. James said in verse 5 that God giveth to all men. Now, I especially love the word all there. Thank God. If I need wisdom, God can give it to me. Amen. And if you need wisdom, he giveth to all. James 1, 17 said, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. And we'll look at that great statement in the weeks to come. God's giving is expressed in many ways, demonstrated in many ways, but everything we receive from God came from the hand of God. He is the one that gives, and in this case, He gives wisdom. Now, do you need wisdom tonight? Do you need to be able to cope with what you're going through? If you don't get God's wisdom, you can't deal with the trials like y'all to deal with them. They're heartaches. They're that which will destroy you and and defeat you. But yeah, if you get this wisdom from God, you begin to look at it totally different. You see it from an eternal perspective. It equips you to cope with what you're going through. Ask God for wisdom. It comes from a giving God. Second of all, James explains that it comes from a generous God who giveth to all men liberally, James says. See the word liberally there? It literally means bountiful. James says, ask of God, who giveth to all men bountifully, who giveth to all men liberally. The word literally means to stretch out. And the picture is like God stretching out or spreading out a table in front of us. It's like a, 
like homecoming when you run, run, set the tables end to end and put them in a long line, stretching out food from one end to the other. God says, I'll give you wisdom. I'm the kind of God that gives, and I am not a brill cream God just to dabble do. I give generously. I give liberally. I give bountifully. Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. So he comes, wisdom comes from a generous God. Now, do you need wisdom tonight? Ask God for wisdom. And he'll not only give you wisdom, but he'll give you wisdom in abundance. But look at the third thing James says about the matter. It is wisdom that not only comes from a giving God and a generous God, but it's also wisdom that comes from a gracious God. For he tells us in verse 5 that he giveth liberally, liberally to all men and upbraideth not. See that word upbraided there? It is a word that literally means he does not scold us. Now, how many of you have ever got on one of your children because they kept asking you for something? Have you ever done that? I guess I'm the only poor parent here. But you know how it is. Uh, children, they'll come, they want this, and they want this, and they want this, and they, especially when they're in the store. And it was going, that's what, listen, the grocery stores, they always put the candy right up front. When, so when the kids walk in, they see it. And what that's designed for is to make your life miserable for the next 40 minutes as you try to shop. Is that not right? So, yeah, amen. But anyway, the kids, they, they're, they're in there. Daddy, will you get me this? Daddy, will you get me this? Daddy, will you get me this? And you say, no, don't bother. Daddy, will you give me this? And about the 115th time, what you say is this. You do it, of course, you do it in Christian love. If you ask me one more time, I'm going to bust your bottom. Is that not what you say? Is that not what you say? Yeah, you do. Some of you say worse than that, amen. But when James said he upbraideth us not, he does not scold us. James is saying, it doesn't matter how many times you need wisdom. And it doesn't matter how many times you come to God. God's not going to say, well, what are you doing here again? You just came yesterday wanting something. I just bailed you out yesterday and just helped you yesterday. What are you doing coming back? James says, no, God gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and he will not scold you for coming back. He just wants you to come. He is a God that gives graciously. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Wisdom comes from God. It is a God-given insight and a God-given ability to face the trials of life. It comes from a giving, generous, gracious God. But look at the third and the final thing. He talks about wisdom, why it is required. We've got to have wisdom to be able to face our trials. We've got to have wisdom to be able to cope with our trials so we can look at our trials not as a burden but a blessing from God and be able to cope with them. And it's received from God. But the third thing he talks about is when wisdom is refused. Why it is required, where it is received, but when it is refused. James tells us that wisdom is free for the asking. He giveth to all men. He giveth to all men liberally. And he upbraideth not. He does not scold us when we keep coming back for wisdom. He tells us he giveth wisdom. It is free for the asking, but there are conditions in the asking. We ask for wisdom. We can ask for wisdom, but we got to ask for it in a specific way. Notice the text. One, he talks about unbelieving prayer. Look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith 
He says, now look, God is a giving God. He won't scold you for coming. You keep coming. You keep asking. He said, God wants to give you wisdom, but ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. He tells us that we're asking faith. That when we come to God for wisdom and say, God, I need wisdom. I'm going through a trial. I need you to give me what I need to get through this trial. I need you to give me what I need to face this trial. I need you, Lord, to give me what I need to cope with this trial. Lord, give me what I need to see this as from you. Lord, I need it. He says, but ask in faith. Nothing wavering. That, those words there, nothing wavering, simply means do not doubt. He says, ask in faith. Do not doubt. And he describes the doubting man. He said, the doubting man is like the wave of the sea, up and down, up and down, driven by the wind, driven by external circumstances. The waves are up and down, high one moment, low the next moment, all depending on what is going on around them. He says, a man that does not have faith in God and doubts when he prays is a man that is in and out one day, hot and cold the next, up and down the next. James said he's like the wave of the sea. Verse 8, he describes him as a double-minded man. Look what he said. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You see that phrase, double-minded? It literally means two-souled. It's like a divided heart, two-souled. A divided heart, two parts of the heart. There's one part of us that says, I believe, and another part of it says, I doubt. There's a part of us here that says, yes, God's Word is true, but there's another part I don't know if it's true in my life. He's believing God Wednesday. He's going under. He's up and down. He is so unstable because there's a part of Him that will believe and part of Him that won't believe. It's unbelieving prayer. But notice what He said in verse 7. If you don't get anything we've talked about tonight, get this. You need wisdom. But notice what He said in verse 7. He talks about unanswered prayer not only unbelieving prayer but unanswered prayer he said but let not for let not that man think that he shall receive anything the Lord what man that man he's talking about who is that man it is the doubting man it is a man who does not ask in faith he's up and down like the wave of the sea and James says if he will not have faith when he asks, don't even think you're going to get anything from God don't even dream about it. Don't think about it. If you will not ask in faith, James says, might as well not ask at all. We will not receive one thing from God if we do not ask in faith. Our prayers will be unanswered. Now, let me sum it all up tonight. Are you still with me? Are you going through a trial in your life? Then you need to ask God for wisdom. You need God's wisdom. Again, what is wisdom? It's the ability, it's a God-given ability. It's not just you learning a few facts. It's a God-given ability that helps you to look at things in your life from God's perspective. You no longer see them from an earthly viewpoint. You see them from an eternal perspective. Your trials, you see them as something God is doing in your life. That's the wisdom that you need. And that wisdom is available to you. That wisdom to help you to see your trial the way you ought to see it. And once you see it, it will enable you to cope with it and to handle it and to get through it. It is a wisdom that you can get just by asking God, but believing that God will give you 
that wisdom. I'm sure many of you are good readers. And I close with this. I'm sure many of you, as you've made your way through bookstores and read different things, you've saw the name or at least heard the name Andrew Murray. He was a Dutch reform from South Africa. And Andrew Murray, I, I, I've, lo I've always loved Andrew Murray for years, but I think about a story during a time when Andrew Murray was going through a particular trial in his life. Andrew Murray had, had a lot of back trouble, a lot of back trouble, very painful time in his life that he dealt with his back trouble. Of course, you know, when physical things have a way of bearing on you emotionally, mentally, whatever. Andrew Murray was going through a very difficult time in his life, going through a great trial. One morning, he was eating breakfast, and his hostess told him, said, there's a woman downstairs that's going through a great trial herself, and she wants to know if you have any advice for her. Murray simply handed the hostess a piece of paper that he had been writing on. He was laying there beside him on the bed. He'd been writing on he said, give her this advice I'm writing down for myself. It may be that she'll find it helpful. What Andrew Murray put on that piece of paper is so great. And I'm going to put it on the screen for you because I want you to see it. I don't want you to hear it. Just hear it. But I want you to see this. I want you to notice what he had to say. On that piece of, piece of paper, Andrew Murray wrote these words. In the time of trouble, say. First, he brought me here. It is by his will I'm in this straight place. In that I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace in this trial to behave as his child. Then say, he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me lessons he intends me to learn and working me the grace he means to bestow. And last say, in his good time, he can bring me out again. How and when, he knows. Therefore, I say, I am here, one, by God's appointment, two, in his keeping, three, in his, under his training, and four, for his time. Sounds to me like Andrew Mary had asked for wisdom, and he had got wisdom. Amen? Take your prayer sheet. Look at it for our prayer time tonight. Wisdom is free for the asking. You're going through a trial. That's what you pray for. Wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Our missionary of the week is Mark Gage, the Gage family, working with claim with the claim ministry of Baptist International Missions. Want to be praying for them tonight that the Lord would bless that work. And uh, that's uh, part of BIMI where they go in different places and build churches, put roofs on churches and different things like that. Did you know Mike West, one of our members, was scheduled to go to Japan to leave this, last, this past Friday, but he fell on Wednesday and broke both of his wrists. But the Gage family, let's be praying for them. Our Church of the Week is Fellowship Baptist Church in Liberal, Kansas, and Pastor Bill Prater. For the Praetor's visit here on a couple of different occasions, a good friend. We want to lift his church up tonight and be praying for him. In the hospital, Irene, of course, still at Life Care in East Ridge. Rodney Burgess doing much better today. We want to continue to pray for him. Willie Holcomb, she had knee surgery, doing well. She'll probably be going to Health South on Friday. And then Marilyn Chandler, this is Peggy Griffith's mother. She was to be having gallbladder surgery. Pam King, she has cancer. This is Linda's daughter. 
And then at the bottom of uh, your bulletin there, you'll note we've had a couple of deaths in our church. Stacy Workman, this is one of our newer members, or Sister Brandy also comes here. Their father passed away. The funeral will be uh, Friday at 11.30 at Chattanooga Funeral Home East Chapel. They'll be receiving friends from 2 to 8 o'clock tomorrow. Let's pray for Stacy and, Brand and Brandy. Also, Rhonda West, her grandmother passed away. Her funeral was today in Sparta, Tennessee. And so you want to remember all of these and be praying for them. All of you that will, let's come and gather around the altar. Will you pray for wisdom? You understand what I'm talking about, what James talking about tonight? You see it? Understand it? It is seeing it from God, seeing what's going on in your life from God's perspective. Just pray for wisdom. God to equip you to be able to see things as the way they ought to be seen and to face things the way they ought to be faced. Let's all come. Let's remember tomorrow night, the start of our fall semester of faith. I am looking so much to our faith. In fact, the summer is kind of empty without faith and so excited about tomorrow night. Oh, it's the beginning of our fall semester. Seventy-some folk will be in faith this semester, so we praise the Lord for that. Let's pray for that tomorrow night. Classes begin at 6 o'clock. Right. The, the Williams family. Many of you remember Kelton, Sarah Williams. Sarah... Uh, passed away yesterday. They found her at home and uh, dead at home. And so let's remember the family. Let's pray for the children and be praying for them tonight and lifting them up. And uh, very shocked, uh, shocked to many, many. Let's pray for them. Father, in Jesus' name, as we come tonight, we come to bring these special things to you. We come tonight to pray for the Gage family. Thank you for the call of God in their life. Thank you for the work that you put them into Thank you for the ministry of claim and how helpful it's been to so many missionaries and so many churches and so many aspects of missions around the world. Bless the Gage family. Bless claim. Pray tonight for Fellowship Baptist in Liberal, Kansas, Brother Beal. Thank you for what you're doing there. Thank you for his vision, his desire to want to serve you. I pray you bless him and use him in a very, very special way. Give him a great fall do wonderful things for them and bless the ministry there. And then for our folk that are in the hospital, we pray that you would touch them. Pray that you would be with them and meet their need. We pray, Lord, for our church family that has lost loved ones, for Stacy and Branding the, Branding the death of their father, for Rhonda and the death of her grandmother. Pray for the Williams family tonight, for special requests, other special requests. We pray for all of these that you would touch and minister to them and meet every need. Now we pray, Lord, for Sunday that the anointing of God would be here. We thank you for what you've been doing. And I pray when we meet on Sunday that no one or nothing would rob you of your glory, but that Jesus Christ would be honored and magnified. And may we come to worship you and worship you only. So bless on the Lord's Day. Touch his anointings. Bless Sunday school. Bless tomorrow night in our faith as we begin our fall semester. Thank you, Lord, for the many that are participating. I pray that it be a wonderful time of spiritual growth in their life. I pray, dear God, that you'll take and use faith to grow them spiritually and totally transform their lives, that it'll be an experience in which you'll give them wisdom. They'll begin to look at life from an eternal perspective and begin to look at life from your point of view. So I pray, dear God, that you'd bless. Bless all the things that are going on. Bless the constructions going on now. Bless, Lord, the future plans for the auditorium and so many other things. We just ask you to provide and to bless and lead us and guide us to know your will in all things. Thank you again for all you're doing. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight. Let our visitors know how glad we are to have them in the service tonight.